When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This is Charlie Walters, the big shooter. I got one thing to say to the crew of the Ride with Ricey. Let's kick some ass. Navigation system. Please say a command. On. Ignition. Powered. Seatbelts. Fastened. Shift. Drive. Twin City sports fans, hold on tight. Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios, this is The Ride with Royce. He's going the distance. He's going for speed. Significance in those gongs, ladies and gentlemen. It's up to you to figure it out. I'm sure you got it figured out. We, of course, are celebrating the final four of the ride with Ricey, and we're doing that by celebrating final fours. Yesterday, uh, we celebrated the Keith Smart uh, uh, victory over Syracuse in 1987, which came shortly after Jimmy Chetwood won the uh, Indiana State one-class basketball tournament for the uh, Hickory... Uh, what? The Hickory... Uh, uh, what were they? The one. It's an H. Hickory... Uh, I can't remember what the Hickory... Uh, damn, you got it. Wasn't Ho- it wasn't Hoosiers. No, it was no, no. Hickory, Hoosiers uh, was a play on the, uh, on, the, on the whole state. Right. Anyway, it was... Uh, the, the tie-in there was that uh, that great movie about Indiana basketball. It wasn't like Tigers on. or Wildcats uh, or something, was remember. it? He'll get it. Hickory, Hickory, Hickory. Uh, but anyway, uh, the uh, we did that yesterday. And today... Now, a lot of people consider this the greatest uh, championship game ever played. Uh, to me, it's not. Uh, the one that we're going to have tomorrow is probably the greatest, in my opinion, of the ones I covered anyway. But the 1985 NCAA Division I men's basketball tournament in uh, was held, of course, in uh, Lexington, Kentucky, Rupp Arena. And it was also the official Big East is the conference tournament because three of the four teams there were from the Big East, including the two in the final game, Villanova and Georgetown. And uh, Villanova, this was when he could still hold the ball, no shot clock. And it was also, uh, Manny, am I right? Is it the first year of the three-pointer? Or was it uh, the three-pointer come... 85? When did Providence go with Richard Patino? I thought that was like 87, wasn't it? Well, that was the first year of the three-pointer then. So you had Villanova, Memphis, 
Georgetown, and St. John's in that tournament, right? And uh, 1985, Lexington, Kentucky. Rupp Arena, the game was held on April 1st, 1985, and boy, did they play an April Fool's joke on Georgetown. Villanova basically held the ball, uh, went only for good shots, uh, made made all those shots, end up winning 66-64. They were 24-10. and Georgetown came into that game 30-1, and and uh, when the years, when the regular season ended, Villanova was unrated, was not rated, and uh, Georgetown was rated number one, of course. My sources are telling me it's the Hickory Huskers. Ah, uh, might have been the Hickory Huskers. Uh, anyway, the uh, it was a fantastic game, and uh, Georgetown, uh, Villanova held the ball and then made damn near all their shots. What was their final shooting percentage? Where is it? Game shoot. Game shooting percentage. Statistical summary. Here we go. Okay. Uh, the top scorer was uh, Dwayne McLean, 17 points. Wingate was on that team. Ewing was on that po- team for uh, for uh, Georgetown. But here's the stat. Villanova made 22 of 28 field goal attempts. They won the NCAA title by only taking 28 shots. They shot 78.6%, and they made uh, they made nine of their uh, last 10 shots attempts to pull off that major upset, 66-64. And, of course, uh, Roly uh, Massimino running around like a maniac <laughs> was uh, fantastic at the end. And we had the old uh, trainer, too. What was that guy? We, we kind of wanted for the old trainer, too, right? Remember the... Uh, the the guy that they were uh, the old guy that they were uh, winning it for, anyway, probably uh, remembered by most people as the greatest upset in uh, in a Final Four game ever. I'm not sure about that, but uh, it was fantastic. So uh, that is uh, my third favorite NCAA Final Four game that I covered here as we celebrate the Final Four of the Ride with Ricey. Now. Uh, I did a piece on Fred Zamberletti on Friday uh, that ended up uh, appearing in online Friday and then on Saturday morning. And uh, Zambi died on uh, Sunday and uh, at age 86. And part of the theme of this was Freddie's uh, frugality. Freddie was a child of the Depression in Melcher, Iowa, and always, always like most child of the Depression, was always leery of financial ruin, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. And sort of the punchline of the column was his daughter, Julie, saying to me, now make it a long obit because dad would be upset if we spent too spent much money. on the paid obit mm-hmm. in the Star Tribune. And we both laughed and, and I went on our ways and that was the, uh, that was the uh, kicker, right? Uh, well, the Obit appeared today in the Star Tribune, and Freddie got his wish. We got the short Obit today. Uh, Fred, uh, Zamberletti Fred, 86, passed away peacefully September 2nd, 2018. Born in Melcher, Iowa. Preceded in death by parents, Vito and Ann Rivera Zamberletti, by an aunt, by his sister, Pat. Survived by his four children, Lisa Lori, Tom, we got our last names there, Julie, and many grandchildren and great-grandchildren. 
We aren't paying to identify all the all <laughs> no. the uh, children and great grandchildren. We saved a lot of money. We got to save some space. A, heck, we don't even we don't even enumerate them. We just say many. <laughs> then we have celebration of Fred's life for family and friends. They want to make that point on Friday, this Friday, four to six p.m. at the Vikings Museum, twenty six forty five Vikings Parkway, Egan. Now it's it's they don't want fans flocking out there and asking for autographs and stuff. It's for family and friends. Mm -hmm. But it's at the Vikings Museum. Uh, Vikings Museum, 2645 Vikings Parkway. And then uh, Mash of the Christian Burial to be held uh, Saturday morning, uh, 9 a.m. with a visitation one hour prior at 9 at St. Edward's Church on uh, 9400 Nesbitt Avenue in South Bloomington. Uh, In lieu of flowers and memorials, Fred requested that you say a prayer for world peace. Huh. That's a pretty good thing. Sure. But that's it. We don't get anything about Fred's. No. Nope. Fred oh, you know, was the trainer of the Vikings for 43 years. Fred, after that, has been the Vikings historian. Fred attended 1,200 consecutive Viking games. <laughs> we don't get that in the paid old bit. You know? We get the basics in the paid old bit. Way to go. Julie Zamberletti and your siblings, you followed Fred's wishes. Don't spend a lot on the paid obit. You know why? Because <laughs> Bud Grant would say, we did all that yesterday. <laughs> yeah, we did all that. <laughs> well, you know, you got it for free. Right. You we did, we did all that yesterday. I uh, I presume this ran in the St. Paul paper also. Although, I can't be sure. Sure. <laughs> but anyway, Fred's wishes uh, were uh, came through. Friday, uh, the wake four to eight at uh, a, a celebration of his life awake, and I can guarantee you, probably even in that uh, uh, environment, uh, that secular environment where it's not a religious really thing, we'll probably get a rosary. Sure, Fred liked the rosary, man. He listened to the rosary on the radio, and when I saw him, he had a rosary in his right hand. So Fred was a big rosy rosary. Guy. We did the rosary on the radio. Yeah, you can find there's on the you know you can still huh. find the rosary like at six o'clock at uh, on, uh, some Catholic radio station. Maybe that was our problem. <laughs> what you didn't, you missed the rosary? Well, we should have done the rosary. Well, yeah, I uh, I stayed with my uncle Frank and uh, Helen, uh, my aunt Helen over here when I first went to the U. My first quarter, mm-hmm. I knew that wasn't going to work out because if you got home at the wrong time, you had to say the rosary every day. <laughs> On the knees in the living room. Oh. In the, yeah. So anyway. Anyway, Fred Zamberletti uh, gets his wish. Short obit in the Star <laughs> Tribune. And uh, Friday uh, out at the Vikings uh, place, uh, 4 to 8 p.m. at the museum there. I don't know what the access is in there. And, uh, you know, don't show up and ask people for autographs. It's, uh, it's a service for Fred. And then uh, Saturday morning is the funeral. We shall return... Uh, this is the ride with Racy. It's another charming and gracious day here at the great Minnesota get together. I always enjoy the crowds and the proximity of bodies mashed together in unison as it presents an opportunity for some casual contact, a gentle brush against a random buttock by accident. <laughs> If you catch my drift, can you dig it? I knew that you could, as the kids say. In addition to the cavalcade of things fried and things dipped in batter 
There is also a cloud of melancholy and a taste of the maudlin as we bid a fond adieu to Mr. Souchery and his band of garage logic cronies as they take a final lap around the state fairgrounds in the form we have known for so very long. Word on the street is that it shall remain in similar form as a podcast, which is good news. I myself am unfamiliar with the technology, being as I still embrace the words cassette and splendid. Anywho, that's the word from St. Paul. I'm on my way to my annual visit to the State Fair Haunted House, where one can enjoy being startled by ghouls, and one can also enjoy staring at chicks. <laughs> Gold bikes. Oh, my God. Gonna miss that. Tony Lee, Tony Lee. Uh, doing a uh, pretty good send-up there of our old friend uh, Garrison Keeler. And we had to get that in once this week because we played it. Uh, we played it on uh, Sports Talk, and probably will play it again. And oh, you'll, you'll, you'll hear it again. Played it once or twice on. Uh, I Garage don't Logic, know though. that it's been played on GL. I think it just mm-hmm. made it to Sports Talk. Okay, well, uh, that doesn't mean fan- it won't. Yeah, fantastic. So the uh, Kaepernick uh, controversy continues, and uh, first of all, I didn't read till this morning. It's been out there, I guess. I didn't check yesterday that Nike did not give the NFL a heads up before they uh, made Kaepernick one of their featured people for the 30th anniversary. And now it has been revealed that when the NFL starts its season Thursday night, Falcons, uh, Eagles, the Kaepernick, one of the ads being run by Nike will be the Kaepernick ad. So Mm -hmm. uh, take that, fellas. Now, when you look here, it isn't. It doesn't seem as as unusual as it is. They're trying to honor, you know, uh, you know, they they're honoring LeBron, obviously, and Serena. And they got Beckham Jr. in there for uh, some laughs. They got the uh, marathoner, and I can't pronounce his name, uh, Kip Togi, and they got a skateboarder, ex gamer, Lacey Baker. But they also have Shaquem Griffin, the, the one-handed NFL player. The Seahawks, yep. Yeah, they got a wheelchair basketball player, Megan Blanc. They got a the uh, the the boxer who boxes with the you know the Muslim boxer who boxes with the with the headscarf, uh, Zena Nassar. And then they have a legless wrestler, Isaiah Bird. So you know, Kaepernick kind of. When you figure out who they're honoring here, he kind of fits in there more, right, than just some random guy they selected to agitate people. Yeah, but I also think oh, that Nike agitated. knows they oh, Nike they knows know exactly what they're doing. They with are, this, though. they absolutely are doing, and it's nice to see. I think you've said this, yep. Manny. Chris agrees, probably. It's nice to see someone being able to po- to being so important to the NFL that they can poke them, right? Mm-hmm. As in Nike, yeah, yes, yeah, Nike yes. is you know it's, it's they're too, they they're poking the NFL, saying, okay, you think you run the world, but you know we got something for we, you, yeah, we, we got we got this for you, and uh, I don't know if the uh, if the thing is, uh, you know, what's is funny to me is I think there are young people out there burning their Nike stuff to get attention on social media, social media, they they're grandstanding, say, yeah. Yeah, they don't. There, there might be some, you know, young rednecks who uh, are got their parents encouraging them to do this, but a lot of it is just, you know, to, you know, if they, 
if they proudly wear their Nike stuff on Instagram, they're not going to get anybody to look at it, right? Or, you know, whatever, well, Facebook and, or anywhere. And the thing of way. it is, is if you, if you think you're some hotshot that says, well, I'm going to show you Nike, I'm going to burn my shoes... What does Nike care? Yeah, they don't. Care. You 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 already paid them. You already yeah. paid them their money because you bought their shoes. I will say too that uh, after it, you know, the, it was a it was a firestorm yesterday to say the least on social mm-hmm. media. But then when the parody ones came out, um, my favorite being the Jay Cutler one. Did you yeah. guys see the Jay yes, Cutler right, one right. where he's got the sig dangling? Yeah, don't right. care. Even if it means not caring about anything, just do it <laughs> or don't. I don't care. <laughs> I mean that oh, is yeah. funny. Yeah, they got a lot of a lot of parody <laughs> stuff out there too, and then people are having great fun with it. But anyway, I seeing the whole list. It's like okay, yeah, okay, I I understand this. It's not just to agitate you. Uh, Earl Thomas apparently is going to end his holdout with the Seahawks. Uh, Le'Veon Bell's not ending his with Pittsburgh. And by the way, his teammates in Pittsburgh are not happy with him. His teammates, uh, nope. especially the offensive linemen, the have, offensive uh, linemen are living are, with him. They are talking a lot to reporters, which is a bad sign for Le'Veon's mm-hmm. camp. And which, by the way, if he sits out, he, uh, if he he's planning is, on sitting out to week ten, I think we, he has to. Right? Ooh. Is that is that like the rule? If he doesn't that, show up by when Wednesday. When, I think when so. It, yeah, today. And what's uh, well, what's he turning down? What's the uh, what's the 13, 14, 13 and a half, something like that? The franchise tag. Well, uh, it's you know the other thing is he's a running back. Yeah. What is he now? Twenty six. Twenty six or twenty seven. Twenty seven. If you miss a year, you're twenty eight. You can say, well, I don't have any bruises on me because I missed a year, but you're twenty eight year old running backs. You lose your value. Just ask yeah. Adrian Peterson. Yes. You know, and, and, Adrian, and Adrian did get a big hit. You know, in his in the what mid twenties, twenty seven, twenty eight. And and my thing is, I I get the perspective of his teammates that are mad at him, and you know, I know there was one one quote said that you know, well, he's even with the franchise tag, he's going to make three times as much as you know me and so and so and all. Like, I I get that, that but you know what? Cares. You know what? What what is What's Le- what's Le'Veon Bell supposed to do if he makes a wrong cut and tears his knee up? And then at that point, the Steelers are like, "Well, you're worthless, so we're just yeah. going to let you go." Oh, that's so true. he's trying to look. He's trying to get as much money as he possibly can because he's a damn good football player, and he knows that these franchises and these owners will do whatever they can to try and give you as little money as possible. So you have yes. to try and get as much money as you possibly can. I'm not mad at him at all for no. It is it has driven me crazy for fifty years, forty years. What well, once the free agency started hitting major league sports in the mid seventies, you know, and baseball, and then, and I've been hearing it since then. Well, I you know I work as yeah. hard as they do, and you don't bring any money in. You're right. a liability. <laughs> These people are entertainers. All entertainers make more money than you make. Okay, dummy, it doesn't make any difference. And why anybody gets upset about what an athlete makes uh, drives me crazy. And you know what? My message to those offensive linemen that are mad at him and saying, well, he's making three bucks. You know what? You should be holding out, too. <laughs> yes. Because if you're if you're doing what you're doing and you're beating your body up and one guy's making more, then, hey, maybe you should be doing exactly what he's been doing. And the other great story today out there is it looks like 
The Timberwolves are going to bring in... Luol Deng. Luol Deng. He's only 33. He only played one game last year. He's well-rested. Sure. I'm all on it. I'm on board. A great move here by the Timberwolves. uh, What are we giving him? Uh, It'd be the mi- they can give him the, the I think, veterans minimum. Uh, what is that? My, my guy Dane Moore tweeted out they can give him the biannual. And I only asked because like I care greatly what athletes or something make. like that. Yes. Well, yeah. they can give him like three point six or three point eight or something ah, like that. The okay. biannual, whatever, or veteran minimum, or they even got a tirade out of Manny Hill today on the uh, show with Judd. Yeah. So that's why I love this. It's agitation. It's a I great channeled agitation my, here's, by Tibbs. Here's my thing. I channeled, and I told you this, I channeled my inner Roycey. <laughs> yes. I right. had I had a, a, a three-minute just rant about something that I'm very, it, it's, it reminded me, you know, when I got done with it, Pat, it reminded me very much of the Twins rant that you had a few weeks ago when they were bringing in Taylor Motter and, you know. It, well, I, I, I channeled tweet, my inner Roycey. I tweeted out that I really support this, another good move by the Wolves. <laughs> Somebody says, I don't even know when you're agitating anymore. And I said, when in doubt, always yeah, go with just the assume. fact that just assume I'm needling you. you just, <laughs> just assume, and if, if not, I'll, I'll make it clear. Well, ser- serious question. Can he still play? Don't know. He didn't play last year. Was it due to injury or was it due it's, to performance? He's been, he's been banged up. The first year, the, the Lakers gave him a $72 million contract for Ooh. four years, two years ago, when everybody Which was going the out. Paying, thing of all they went out. They, well, it basically got Mitch Kupchak fired mm-hmm. from the Lakers. Was He gave Dang See? that contract and he gave Mozgov that deal. See, and, Tibbs is getting him for uh, what's three in the 72, 24. Well, he's getting him for 4% of what Kupchak paid. <laughs> 4%. What a bargain. The guy's a master negotiator. And well, you know, you know what's going to happen, too. He's going to play him about 25 minutes a night, and he'll take minutes <laughs> oh, away sure. from, from oh, the young guys. Oh, he will play forward that position. And, and Derek Rose. Our, our guy, Kiata, will be in Iowa. You know, so. Bates Diop and yeah, yeah and Okogi, yeah, yeah. Okay, it's great because people get so upset. It's fantastic. <laughs> we'll be back. They've been waiting for it out there in the listener land, Johnny. They've been waiting for the oh, preview really? of the uh, Twins Astros uh, tonight. By the way, all right. Now this is a uh, we we didn't get the uh, getaway uh, day game. No, right? it's, a, no. it's a night game. I don't the know Twins why. are off tomorrow, and then they come home for a ha- home stand. That yeah. uh, and we're gonna have a Fortnite celebration, are we? Are we? I didn't know that. Yes, we are. Well, maybe Trevor May is good at better at Fortnite than he is <laughs> at. Uh, He's not openers. good as an opener. No. Uh, Do we, we have an that. opener tonight? Is there no, an opener? We got, we, got uh, a regular... Risen. we got five and a third, five and he and is gonna break out his new uni for tonight's game. He's gonna say five and a third on the back. <laughs> That's, a good, it's be That's great. a good choice. Just like Eddie Goodell had three A's. He's gonna have five <laughs> and a third. Twins and Astros down in Houston tonight. Uh, as uh, Patrick said, Jake Odorizzi for the Twins. Framber Valdez Ooh. pitches for the Astros. Framber. They're now they're now using anonymous pitchers against us. I, I think he's one of their two rookies because they've had some injuries. Right here he is. Your Twins lineup. Okay. Logan Forsythe leads off at second wow. base. Wow. Hmm. Jorge Polanco's at shortstop hitting second. Robbie Grossman in left field hits third. Mitch Garver catches and hits cleanup. Tyler Austin at first base hitting fifth. Robbie Grossman's hitting third. <laughs> hey, hey, come on, he had a bases-clearing double against I'm Berlander. Mitch hitting fourth. Ari Adrianza, third base hitting sixth. Next. Next. Yep. 
Max Ow. Kepler hitting seventh in center field. Uh, Williams Astudio. DH. All right. He's DH and hitting eighth. And Johnny Field. Oh, he's in there. Right so field. this has got to be a lefty, this guy, right? Yes, uh, Framber no is a lefty. And yes. uh, Joe, uh, Joe's now playing, not playing night games after night games. <laughs> oh, okay, all right. All right. Oh, okay, well, I'm pretty excited right there. Hitting um, Mitch Garver. Hitting, I like Mitch Garver, but I'm not sure he's a Robbie four-year. Grossman is mm-hmm. hitting third. I think, you know, Gardy third. had that relationship with Nick, Mick, Nick Punto that a lot of people thought was creepy. Uh-huh. How about Mauer and Robbie Grossman? He's, I mean, Mauer, Mauer, and Robbie yep. Grossman. He keeps him around, He's man. Hitting third. <laughs> Miguel Sano is day to day after He's bruising left leg last night. Yeah, but I look at that lineup and I can see that there's no room for Byron Bucks. Oh yeah, yeah. where are you going to put him? <laughs> Uh, Major League Baseball today, Boston edged Atlanta 9-8. to uh, Ooh, they were way down. Didn't they have a big rally? Yeah, they were down by six. And yeah. the margin of victory, a, a home run by the new Red Sox, Brandon Phillips, who was just brought oh, up for the minor really leagues. good for him. He homered the ninth to win it. He yeah. admired it for a bit, too, from yeah. what I saw. I like yeah. that guy because he agitated people. He was an agitator. Mm-hmm. Uh, Corey Kluber, uh, now 18-7. and seven, He pitches the Indians past the Royals 3 so what's the deficit and now? Seven and not having as good a year as he had last year. That's correct. Yep. Uh, I don't think we're I think catching it's him. Sixteen. Yeah. <laughs> uh, these... We've ever watch out for those mighty whiteies. Yeah, they're they moving could, into they could second. Steal second place uh, away from the. Uh, they still got about a six game lead. <laughs> the uh, Saint Paul Saints last night they were rained out as they were supposed to start the North Division playoff series. Uh, they now will play this evening at CHS Field. They're playing Gary in a best-of-five series. Game two will be the same time and venue tomorrow. If you had tickets for last night's rainout, you can use them on Thursday. I wonder who that non-Minnesotan Barrero's rooting for tonight in that game. <laughs> you think he's rooting for St. Paul, of course. our Saints, or is he rooting for uh, Gary? Oh, Indiana, he's rooting for Gary. Yeah, he's rooting yeah. for Gary. Yep. Yeah, that guy's never been one of us. <laughs> Timberwolves, uh, you guys talked about this a little bit. Looks That's like right, nobody listens to Wrapping up their pursuit of former All-Star forward Luol Deng, according to Mark Stein. We're wrapping her up? No, they're uh, pursuing it. Ramping, not wrapping. Ramping, no, not wrapping. Mark Stein is reporting the Wolves plan to pursue him. He cleared (laughs) waivers. This is a a one-team race. This is a one-team pursuit, isn't it? (laughs) Last week, the Lakers waived Deng just over two years after signing him to a four-year, $72 million free agent contract. Of course, his best years in the NBA were back when he was a member of the Chicago Bulls under Tom Thibodeau. Mm-hmm. Manny, when his game was good, what was it? Did he shoot? Yeah, kind of. But he was—he—he he was. He, he, I, th- I think he actually did make an All-Star he team made one two, year. Two. They made two. He. Listen, I actually like when he was good. He was actually one of my favorite players in the NBA mm-hmm. because he was a guy Sounds that could like do it. a little bit of. <laughs> well, he could do a little bit of everything. He rebound. He's a really good defender. He could hit some outside shots for you. If, I mean, even the year before the Lakers signed him and gave him that big contract, mm-hmm. he actually had a pretty good year with mm-hmm. Miami. But then the Lakers signed him, and he was just he had nothing left, and just making all that money. I mean. When he was really good, he was a really good, solid player. But I just don't know if at 33 and just injuries you know, and all that. Six years younger than Jamal Crawford. I know that. <laughs> yeah. But I, I, I told this to Judd, Pat. Like, this is what Tibbs is doing, bringing in all these Bulls players and everything. This is Brad Childress bringing in 
all of these yeah. ex Eagles wide receivers and backup quarterbacks and but Billy guys, McMullen and and but these guys were superstars compared to those uh, Eagles. <laughs> but it's just it's just he can't Tibbs just can't help himself. It's just he's got to get his guys. It just <laughs> I don't know, man. He just. One more item there, Johnny. The Vikings announced they've signed former Gopher quarterback Jalen Myrick to their practice squad. Oh, really good. He's a great kid. Uh, he was a seventh. Should we call him? I got his cell phone for some reason. I don't know why. He was a seventh round pick in 2017 for the Jacksonville Jaguars. He did appear in five games last year for Jacksonville, but they released him last week. Vikings signed him to the practice. All squad. right. Good for him. I'm going to uh, text him and say congratulations and see if he responds. <laughs> Who the hell is this? <laughs> yes, that's exactly what he'll send me. All right. Thanks, Johnny. You bet. Tim Kirkjian is with us, ESPN and ESPN.com. Uh, you were on a Kirkjian uh, mailstorm yesterday. Man, alive, you had Kirkjians uh, coming out your ears yes, last night. Yeah, w- once a week, Pat, I just chuck out a few things <laughs> just to be a little bit different. I don't want to be like everyone else on Twitter. So, as you know, I have nothing else to do with my life. So, <laughs> I find things that interest me if they interest other people that's great but they amuse me like ryan howard retired with 382 career homers tied for the most ever by someone whose last name begins with an h <laughs> and the part of that is the other h uh who he tied with is another howard frank howard. big frank all now, right most homers with the letter h have the same last name. Now Ryan that and Frank Howard, and that lady gentleman is a Quirkian right there, man. That one's uh, right, that one. right. And the other one, which I needed help on, I yeah. have several others this week. But um, we the the Diamondbacks went four games in a row with exactly two runs and exactly five hits. <laughs> games in a row. So I had to call the Elias on this, yes. and they always take my calls, and I say, look, this. How unusual is this? So uh, the last time any team did that four games in a row was the 1956 Cubs, <laughs> who got four runs, 11 hits, four games in a row. <laughs> wow. These quirky things happen. Yes. And I just think someone should point out, just for a little bit of fun on the hate-filled Twitter, that we're not trying to reinvent <laughs> anything here. We're just trying to have a little fun and maybe interest somebody. That's all. So Ryan Howard quits. I mean, he retires finally. He hadn't played in years. Are you going down the all-time home run list, or are you just waiting for him to retire at 382 because you know Frank has 382? Right. I I knew, and as soon as he announced his retirement <laughs> officially, I made this proclamation yesterday. And this year, by the way, Pat, uh, uh, Justin Upton passed Chase Utley, <laughs> For the most homers with anyone with the last name of you. And Ryan Zimmerman passed Todd Zeal this year for the most with the last name that starts with Z. So in my stupid, pathetic little world, (laughs) it's been quite a year for alphabet home runs. I got two guys passing into the all-time lead and one guy retiring and tying for the all-time lead. (laughs) Okay, I have a question. Is Ryan Howard one of the first casualties of the Velocity era? Yeah, I don't think there's any doubt, Pat, that this is what's going on now. As I recently told you, I'm sure, Aaron Boone told me, he says, you know, pitchers were taught, let's keep the ball down. 
Not anymore. There are so many good low ball hitters now because they can't catch up to velocity up in the strike zone. And that's where all the pitchers are going. And I think that's what happened, among many other things, to Ryan Howard. You would think the bigger and stronger you are, the easier you can handle velocity up in the strike zone. But I don't think he could. And I think at the end, God bless him, I don't think he could handle the low ball either. Uh, the game just kind of caught up to him pretty quickly, as it can uh, when people are throwing this hard with so many different pitches. Tim, uh, uh, in, in that same vein, Sano, uh, of course, uh, was uh, horrible earlier this year when he was uh, badly out of shape and couldn't catch up with anything and was just kind of trying to yank every pitch. Well, he came back. He lost. It was. He, he looked like he might have re- actually lost 20 pounds. Previously, when he lost, said he lost 20 pounds, he usually gained about five. But this time, he actually looked down weight-wise. And he looked okay at the plate early. But now it's not... Everybody talks about him, you know, chasing the slider, and you can get him out on the slider, and he had a horrible batting average against the slider. But he can't hit the fastball. Now it it becomes a concern. I mean, the fastball above his uh, belly button, he can't hit it. Well, I've always been amused, Pat, changing the subject slightly here. When you you hear about the kid who said, you know – if I could have ever hit a curveball, I could have been a really good player. <laughs> yeah, right. It implies he could hit 90 or 95, which we know in that case is not the case. And the bottom line is, if you can't hit a fastball, you yep. are dead in today's game. Even though, you know, you're only seeing 50% fastball, you better be able to hit that because the rest of the stuff is even more difficult to hit and i think that's part of the problem i hear it all the time this guy can't catch up to anything up this guy can't hit a fastball and that's why you don't throw a slider speed pitch to somebody if he can't catch up with a heater and that's where part of the game is today whereas back in the old days and i hate to be 61 today but frank robinson of the world didn't miss a fastball belt high those are the ones they do they better hit yeah, we uh, twins way back when, late 70s, after uh, Carew and Bostock and Heisel all left, they had an outfielder named Rick Sofield. He played center and outfield. You, sure. you, you ran into him. Well. Great guy. But he was almost leading the league for about a month, and then uh, somebody came to town and they threw him a high fastball and he couldn't hit it, and then they threw him another one and he couldn't get to it, and the crusty old scouts in the stands started saying, I don't throw them any more breaking balls. <laughs> and, uh, you know, everybody, you know, if, if you can't hit the fastball at the letters, as you say, Tim, eh, you're going to be coaching pretty soon like Rick Sofield did. Right, because everyone is pitching up there today again, Pat, knowing the launch angle, the bat angle has changed, so let's throw it above the barrel of the bat and you'll get people out, and that's exactly what's happening. I think we all like the Dodgers in the NL West mess, but uh, that might remain a mess till the end. Uh, not, uh, the three of them are all pretty flawed, don't you think? Yeah, the entire National League is flawed. Even the Cubs, to some degree, still not sure who the Cubs' closer is, but that West is definitely flawed. And even though Colorado has played really well since July the 1st, and they may win that division, I think the Dodgers are still going to win it, but... You know, their closer situation is a mess because Kenley Jansen just don't think it's healthy still. Still not sold on their rotation. And for all the home runs they hit, every once in a while you can pitch to that team. 
and the Diamondbacks, you can pitch to them most nights. But I will tell you, Pat, if Arizona gets in and they get Granke and Corbin and Ray at their very best, uh, I wouldn't want any part of that threesome when they're at their best. So a lot of teams in the National League are pretty good. No team is really, really good, and that should make for a great playoff in that league. Damn, I was a kid. I was among the very excited Minnesotans when the Twins moved here at the end of, announced they were moving here at the end of October 1960. I was at their first ever game at Met Stadium. I have followed them uh, intimately, and I got to say, and while I don't now root for them as an objective reporter, I don't wish them ill will. But every time they pitch an opener now, I want them to get their ass kicked. I hate it. I hate the opener. Yeah, I... <laughs> I was so happy. They've used the opener twice. They got an ERA at 27. <laughs> That's incredible. So that's the opening of every series of the season they get killed? No, no, no. The opener pitcher, the one inning, the, the non-starter, the guy who pitches one inning, they just started doing that this week. Oh, God. <laughs> this is my concern now, Pat, is that the success of the Rays is going to force or make everyone yes. say, let's, let's try that. And we wonder... Why our relievers get tired and injured late in the season, which is now happening. It's because the starters have been so devalued. Let's just get them five innings and get them out of there. No wonder the bullpen is so tired. And now we're starting bullpen guys in the first inning, and the Rays aren't the only one doing it. And I hope we go back to the day where Burt Blylevin and Jack Morris started a game and, oh, my gosh, they finished it, too. Want to shower with the boys, as Jack Morris used to say. Uh, but, Tim, here's what. Now, the Twins started doing this at Rochester, and it's AAA in August. Uh, and they did it quite often. Well, maybe I can handle it at AAA. But if they start doing this at the at the lower minor league levels where you're trying to develop pitchers, this will be completely idiotic. Yeah, I'm again, I'm worried here, Pat, that we're trying to reinvent the wheel here, and I think we're doing it. I understand why we're doing it, but I think there's a better way to do this, and that is to train and condition our starting pitchers to go deeper, not shorter. Yes, we can have as many relievers as you'd like, but I repeat, when you start using them as much as you are, and in spots they're not used to, pitching, it can really mess you up. Dan Quisenberry started the um, the Pine Tar game when it was resumed. And he once told me it was like the strangest feeling <laughs> he ever had because when he got to the ballpark, he was the first guy to pitch, not the last guy to pitch. And even though he was only going to pitch one inning, and as it turned out, it really didn't matter, he was really in a kind of a mess mentally and, hey, i got to get off the bus and i got to pitch right away as opposed to getting off the bus and waiting eight innings to pitch. So maybe that factors in. Maybe that's something we should all keep in mind. Relievers, creatures of habit, uh, do things a certain way, and now we're going to change things on them. How are they going to handle that? Uh, Manager Kelly was on with us yesterday, Tom Kelly, and pretty much said the same thing. Because uh, all of a sudden they decided they're going to have an opener, and their opener was going to be 
Gabriel Moya, this little lefty who can kind of sneak into a game in the eighth inning and face two lefties if nobody knows he's coming. He throws about 89, and he's got a goofy motion, and they start him, and it's two to nothing before you can sit down in your chair, you know, so that's... uh, Right, and this is part of it. A reliever starting a game is different. A reliever that everyone is concentrating on because he's starting is different, and I just hope everyone factors this in. I'm sure they will because we have numbers for everything now. Maybe I'm just too old, Pat, but again, I think we need to put more emphasis on our starters, not less of an emphasis. Well, Oakland's run into injuries with their starters now, and they're playing the Yankees in this great series, filling up the ballpark. It's been wonderful. But yesterday, they opened with Liam Hendricks. I thought he was back in Australia. I thought he was a tour guide or something. I didn't even know he was still around. He's starting for Oakland in the middle of the pennant race, but he's only out there to pitch one inning. Right, and I think, Pat, they have, with all due respect, seven or eight relievers better than him. Yes, so right. You, maybe you started your 13th best <laughs> yeah. in a major league game against the New York Yankees. Now, that's not to question what Bob Melvin and those guys are doing, because whatever they're doing, they should keep doing it. But it does make you wonder, uh, you know, what exactly is happening here. But I think, I think we'd all better get used to it that it's going to keep happening. Hey, Tim, flop of the year in Major League Baseball. Which team? Team team is the Nationals still. Oh, yeah, that's right. They're, they're 69 and 70. They're yeah. under 500. And I know they've had tremendous injuries, and now they've traded three or four guys, but you just, you just can't be under 500 with that team and with the moves that they've made. Uh, it's really disappointing, especially when this division was still – yeah. There to be one when the Phillies and Braves hit a bad patch and the Nationals just not were not ready to pass them and they're going to not go to the playoffs and I would have never, never thought that could happen at the beginning of the year. Of the really bad teams, who surprises you the most? Kansas City, maybe? I don't, well, again, I live kind of nearby. Yeah. I never expected the Orioles to be this bad, Pat. We're talking... 50 above 50 games out of first place they're going to lose 100 games by the end of the weekend and it just wasn't supposed to happen this way now i knew the window closed after 2017 i just didn't know it was going to close as hard and on every single finger of every player on the team because that's what happened and i just didn't see him being this bad is chris davis going to get the 180 before the year's over i haven't checked lately um, I'm not sure he's going to get there. Um, and you know, there's a Adam Dunn had the worst year anyone's ever seen. I want to say seven years ago with the White Sox. And I told you, Pat, that Ozzie Guillen told me later, uh, Adam Dunn is my favorite player of all time because nobody, but nobody has ever been worse than him. And he went out there every single day and played and then he stood at his locker every single game and took it from the media because that's the kind of guy he was. And that's the place that Chris Davis is headed, you know, you know, ground covered only by Dow Maxville and Chris <laughs> Davis in baseball history. Well, I will say this. Uh, I don't know what reporter would have had the uh, guts to be too uh, outrageous in a conversation with Adam Dunn. He could have uh, squeezed your head rather rather quickly. Hey, Tim, it has been a hoot, and I got some good news for you, sir. Uh, 
While uh, we'll be signing off, the Levitard Show will be running more often, so we will get to hear you treated with respect on that show uh, on occasion. Well, that's the only show where I say, all right, I got to do this show today. I better be ready for anything. <laughs> there's no telling what they might ask. It's it's really a lot of fun. Okay, sir. Hey, thanks, Tim. Thanks for the uh, last right, several Take years. Care. See you soon. All right. Tim uh, Kirk, Jr., ESPN and ESPN. Dot com.